We are back, baby. We are fucking back. We are back. Yeah. Classic. We are back. That's we right. are back. Welcome to Thursday East End, episode 159, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prof, Carl Riley. Football is back home. Yeah, uh, big smiles on our faces here, and um, obviously the result wasn't what we wanted, but we'll get into that. So it is, of course, still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical for all your electrical needs. They are the uh, top dogs when it comes to electricity. Sadly, still no lamps, prof. Ocean Electrical lamps, though, we could, we could work on it. Poor Ray Whelan Senior. Poor Ray Whelan. Can't yes. get a lamp. Can't get a lamp. Um, and we have Leinster Credit, of course. So if you need a loan, Leinster Credit will look after you. So Leinster Credit. They got you back. And of course, Manscaped. We have Manscaped. We, uh, we'll get. I don't think we even need to talk about the controversial giveaway. <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't know if, it, know if we want to delve into it, but Manscaped. Is it of course, yeah. We'll move uh, and we'll take... Don't forget our code, TFTES, TIFTIES, for 20% off a Manscaped kit to keep your balls as baldy as right said Fred. So it is a really, really fantastic deal, so check them out on Manscaped. Uh, but yeah, Prof, we're back, and we're going to review the Finn Harps game with the return of fans to Tala, an interview with the former rover striker Glenn Fitzpatrick, best known for his winning goal against Oldera in Europe. And we'll have another edition of the TIFTIES hotline, and we're looking ahead to Waterford, Prof. And bows away in the coming week as well, so it's a stacked show, a stacked schedule, and we are back in the stadiums, Prof. It was incredible, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but I, I was actually captivated for the, at least the first half hour, because yeah. I was in the West Ham looking at you guys in the South, and I was, it was just mem- mesmerising, because I've been looking into an empty South stand for 16 months now at these behind-closed-doors games. Yeah, I even got a couple of metres in myself, I got to do a bit of running, I was very happy. No, I, I thought when Greener's goal went in, Gary, you uh, obeyed the two-meter guidelines. I thought you just calmly jumped up and down. You definitely didn't stand out with your big bird uh, yellow shirt. So I did a couple of laps. It was you were very respectful, I thought. Brilliant. Two meters. Uh, uh, so uh, last week, probably our worst 11. Um, interesting, to say the least. Um, a couple of a couple of stinkers on it, to say to say the least, as well. So... Yeah, there's a, not for the first time, there's insinuations that Jim Conroy is in fact Winston. Few people, a few people uh, were going down that road, but you will never know who Winston is and you can keep guessing. Mm-hmm. And we won't even say if it's Jim or not, <coughs> we'll leave that one hanging. Also related to last week, turns out Ed Sol is not 40. No, I actually played you that, played you that message <laughs> in the four <laughs> provinces, isn't you? You were cracking up. <laughs> so not till October, but happy year, you still look great, Ed. <laughs> I just love the confusion in his voice. <laughs> 
Where did we get that info? Someone's been plant. Someone plants us a dodgy one every week. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the worst level went down three, and some absolute stinkers. We could have a third one somewhere down the line, but geez, we'd be struggling to get. We could be 20, 20 30 by the time that one gets done. So uh, one all a home to Finn Harps, Max Murphy and Chris McCann started with Borky on the bench and Pico still away with Cape Verde. So uh, a beardless Pico still travelling with Cape Verde. Safe to say our predictions weren't correct last week. Oh, was it five nil, four nil? Ah, listen, we get a couple of strays every so often. Prof, we're allowed, mm-hmm. we're allowed a stinker here and there, a raspberry. Um, yeah, with Euro twenty twenty on the same night, prof, same night, Prof with Italy playing Turkey, a three nil win. But it began on the same night, which <laughs> a couple of podcasts have mentioned. This it's not that ridiculous schedule. As in, from the FAI, you think they could? As in, our league returns from the break. Yeah. At the same hour. Euro 2020 Are you off. surprised though? No, I'm not surprised. But it is, it is. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's madness. There's just no foresight there at all. So. I think if you go back to Because remember I was mentioning the, the breaks in Euro 2012 and 2016. Although Ireland were in those, so there were longer breaks. But I'm pretty sure the tournament was a couple of weeks in when we came back from those breaks. I can't remember. I really can't. But it's, it's just, it's crazy really. But the fact that like we had a limited attendance, kind of helped us, but uh, it was the hottest ticket in town. Prof, the build-up, we were in the Provs at three o'clock. It Although was it has a new name, it's not the Four Profs. The Four anymore. Profs. Yeah, it was brilliant stuff. So all of us out drinking on the chairs outside. It was me. It was Barry. It was the Prof, young Tomo Parsons as well. The four of us all started early, about two, three o'clock. A couple of points of puddle, and they've switched it up. It's nice. Nice and clear now they've taken something out but it's absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely love the bottle uh, and we love the far prowess but lads please get better chairs. Oh my god yeah we'll have to we'll, have, we'll work on this. Gar I still have grooves in my arse <laughs> with these chairs. Uh, yeah fantastic stuff though really great and they're going to host us on the 25th for Drogheda as well so it's a ro- all Rovers affair. I believe the Ultras are showing up as well so it's going to be a big Rovers gang in the Provs on the 25th before Drogheda. Um, the crowd prop as well just the buzz no it was great it was great we went ended up in the laurels after that so that's when the big gang was there it was about 20 odd rovers and then uh, we ended up going from there over to the stadium and just just the crack in general just seeing everybody again and talking in absolute shy for a couple of hours over a couple of points and predicting the game and just thinking <laughs> what's going to happen how we're going to go for the rest of the season just great to see people and when you see it in black and white 469 days since these fans saw live football matches. Crazy. And in saying that as well, when the pub that we were in, like, wasn't exactly outdoor dining. You know what I mean? That beer garden was... Oh, no, that was indoor. That was, that was <laughs> indoor. You know what I mean? It had four walls and yeah. a roof. That's, that's pretty much indoor. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so... But as for the crowd at the game... um. Apparently that, that was all the lads could talk about in training in the week before. So the players are really looking forward to this. Like a couple of them hadn't played in front of a Robert's crowd before, like so Danny. A couple of them had only played one and two, like so Liam Scales. Yeah. And so it was the, the players are really looking forward to them. For the fans, it was like Christmas. They were using that sort of language, like the first game of Tal all over again. Ah, yes, it was. It was just brilliant. And uh, the Ultras did a display for. Was it three three of the people that passed away? Yeah, it was Alex, young Alex, Big Deck, Waffles. Yeah. So, so lovely from the Ultras Fair played them, looked great. Uh, Richie Tell was there. 
Uh, Sam doing drills. He's a <coughs> very uh, fit individual. Darren Dillon, pretty match. Very, very fit man. And <laughs> the first, I mean, you, you heard the usual songs in the crowd before the game and at the start of the game, you now build me a buttercup and all that stuff. But I think it was when Davey did the callback, it was like, yes. Oh, it sounded brilliant as well. This For is what back. we were talking about, the audio, weren't we? The, yeah. the thousand fans sounded like five. I know. It was deadly. It was brilliant. And Got we scored in the middle of Davey doing it as well. Yeah, Has I that happened it. before? I don't know. Here's your stats. Any be, stats on that, Davey? Interrupted by a girl, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so really still really great stuff. Uh, but obviously there's other fans giving out and this is what this is what the piss was boiling. Oh, boiling yeah. up there. Boil that piss prof. <laughs> it was uh, it was boiling and even Finn Harps as well. But listen, we it's been five hundred fucking days. We're gonna we're gonna keep every seat we can for Rovers fans. Apologies, lads, but it's the way it is. It was a weird, snarky tweet from Van Harp. It was like we asked for an away allocation, but we were not accepted. No, yeah. well, of course you weren't accepted. It was wasn't part of the pilot test event. But um, but other fans like you know, why is this test event in Tala and not my dilapidated kip in rural Ireland? Yeah, exactly. Ireland? Yeah. Well, there, that's why. And I saw a tweet as well that we paved the way for 60,000 to be in Hungary as well. So listen, we just that's how we do at Rovers. You know what I mean? Open doors for everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the front of the stadium, it said, it wasn't the same without you. Welcome back for the fans. So written in front of the stadium, absolutely brilliant. Fantastic stuff. And the weather, Prof. We've been blessed, haven't we? We've been absolutely blessed. Oh. It's been beautiful. It's been just million points. Actually got sunburned in the far province. Yeah, we got a couple of patches ourselves. I'll be remembering me fi- factor fifty next time. I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, prof with the me and prof, we're not exactly the t- tanned individuals. Uh, yeah, Trevor Clark as well, prof spot in the East Stand. Here's a question for you: Does he get into this team? Our fit team. I've not. I've not been following them uh, very closely, to be honest. Doesn't the, get into my team. The anyway. Trevor Clark who left Rovers. Is not better than a fully fit Cavo, for example. No, definitely not. And then we still still remains to be seen about Ferruja, who's going to be out for a couple of months after a hamstring um, operation. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, the referee was supposed to be Ben Connolly with Graham Kelly as fourth official, but Kelly ended up being ref, so I don't know why the change. Yeah, maybe Phil, when we tweak the old hammer himself. That's what we were saying. Which is, Jesus, Ben's after losing the hair, isn't he? <laughs> COVID hasn't been... Lockdown hasn't been great to him. But, yeah, so we went uh, into the game and SRFC TV prof the build-up. I watched the highlights package and I have to say, it is so professional. Yeah. Such a good job has been done. Fair play to everybody. Khan is brilliant. Graham Gartland was fucking brilliant. Really loved his uh, analysis and just the way they bounced off each other. You can see Graham is really into it. Like he's, he could, he really, really got into it. Con is just he must be the easiest person to sit beside and talk about a game. To he just has it. It's just natural to him. It was brilliant. Really, really good package, and I'm really looking forward to it on Friday. Really looking forward to watching this on Friday. Sorry, we won't be watching it on Friday. We'll well, you're watching a Waterford production on yeah. Friday, so this will right. get this will get interesting. Yeah, so it's going to be, yeah, actually it'll be interesting to compare the two. And balls on Monday, yeah. so we can sort of... Well, well no, it was, it's fantastic stuff, so excellent, it really what was. Is Graham going to be continued on, or are we going to switch, do the old switcheroo every so often with different legends and stuff like that? Good question. Mm. Be interesting I, I imagine to there'll be uh, a few different people involved, but uh, mm. in terms of pre-match, what, did you enjoy the Stats Corner segments, Gar, on ah. uh, social media? The Stats Corner? I don't think I saw them, Prof. Tell really? me about them. It was myself, uh, Jace Maloney, just amazing. Now, in fairness, it was a long old day, Prof. 
I don't know when they went up, actually. <laughs> but uh, now we did a quick bit on Berkey making his 100th appearance, uh, which just about did in the end. He didn't start the game. Um, we talked. We had a little flashback to the 2006 First Division. The two lads remember that. I, I, I wasn't going back then. But, I almost checked that out now. And remember 2017. Remember we, the Simon Madden last-minute winner? Oh, yeah. Paddy McCart show as well. So The looping cross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we started the game, Prof, and started it well. Uh, Gaffney Gaffney was bounding around here and what was this? we're on top of the goal straight away in 9 minutes Siddiqui who normally I think is a decent enough player but what was he doing this was embarrassing defending yeah. like, he had so many chances he had at least 3 chances to just clear he, was look, he wasn't really even looking around him he was just kind of hesitating totally he had one look and then Gaffney just went in totally and did no one him. give him a shout even well, like, the keeper should be screaming someone should be screaming yeah Get that ball yeah. into the car park. Got absolutely mugged by Gaffney. Mm, who was uh, mugged. Very unselfish, has to be said. To yeah. Square it. And, uh, Green, I needed a goal. Yeah, so that's first goal since opening day, I think it is. Jesus. Good show, but very possibly. And he did need a goal. And um, great finish by Greener. Absolutely. Had everything to do. Mm-hmm. Everything left over to do. And that goal was scored in the ninth minute. 8.20 on the scoreboard, Gar. Fuck off, will you? The... Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. The uh, goals and goal was given to a gentleman who had eight minutes. We went by live score, right? <laughs> that was the rules. Live score, we should be getting on to them for this. Who the fuck... Actually, we can find out who did the live score correspondent in the stadium. <laughs> Don't they have one person at each game? We find out who that was and he's getting the fucking... He's getting the... He's on the chopping block for this. Shall go to the committee. Yeah, the committee. It's it's a messy one. So we've decided uh, our own reliable scoreboard is going to call the scores from now on. <laughs> and we'll, we'll just move on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> First half chances, Prof. Never I, a dull moment, is it? Uh, I thought it was... Uh, I thought we were good. I thought they... Tr- your man Coyne again was good in the middle of the park for them. He He's just a busy little fucker, isn't he? He just gets around so well and just disrupts everything. He had his eyes on Mandrew. And, um, yeah, I felt I felt it was probably... Like, it was a good first-half performance. I actually thought we played very well. I yeah, we I was very happy going in, like, thinking... Created some nice openings, especially down the left. Um, I know a few people were critical of Max Murphy. Maybe he didn't have a great overall game, but he was actually involved in quite a few good moves down the left yeah I think it's harsh when you're getting thrown into a team like this at a young age relatively unexperienced mm. you're expected to perform and you're a right sided player exactly there you go you're expected to perform but um, no actually some very nice passages to play as in like what did we say last week where has where have these where has our style gone you know Derry away was our best performance yeah. like I felt like we were back to our old selves a few in, glimpses wasn't there in patches yeah. In terms of chances, you had after the goal, Danny curled a free kick wide, and then he had another chance just before the break where he shot wide. So I suppose you could call him half chance. Yeah, but, half chance. There's nothing really clear cut, mm-hmm. but uh, we also had a 12 minute applause prof, for all of our fans that have passed. So a lovely, lovely touch. Yep, yes, indeed. And the Webster yeah. incident on the stroke half time is a penalty all day. I thought we three penalties during, during this. Watching back the no, whole the Webster package. incident as in... Oh, he milked the yeah, ball. Yeah, one. that one. In fairness, the second he did it, yeah. he put the hands up. He's like, sorry, 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 sorry. You know, it was just a... When he, I don't think he's that guy, you know. And I heard half the people forgave him and the other half just kept giving out. Yeah, no, there was, yeah. certainly was. And even yeah. after he kind of said sorry, there was a certain amount that wouldn't wouldn't let it go, you know. The fact that he's a well, he was a well-liked farmer who I think will mm. help there. But, um, there was a nasty tackle... 
on one of our players in the first half. I can't remember who it was now. But like it was a cruncher. I like a cruncher. Player. And Oddie, you can see why Oddie gets sent off so many times in his season. Oh, yeah. Oddie wasn't even having that this was a foul. And you just hear him shouting, Ah, ref, will you stop? I, I love that. <laughs> I love the fact that he actually... I thought that was just a stereotype for years. He actually uses the SH in front of him. Oh, actually, there's, would you stop? there's at least three H's in this stop. He's brilliant, he is. <laughs> um, yeah, Oli is uh, he's very very honest in his post-match interview as well. But yeah, So we went in on the halftime and... Uh, I was happy going in. Like I just thought to myself, this is a good performance. Fans are back. Where we we're gonna just move on now and Modi's over. But it wasn't to be. It wasn't to be, prof. So you went in. You were entertained by uh, the fantastic Kieran McDermott at halftime, prof. Half to halftime interviews are back as well. Yep. We've just common hoops. So here we have Kieran. Here with uh, Kieran McDermott, uh, one of our Ross Common hoops, possibly the only Ross Common hoop. But uh, we're back in Tala, first time in sixteen months. Halftime here. It's first of all, your initial reaction to seeing a thousand fans in Tal again. It's absolutely brilliant to be back at the match. Um, it's been, been terrible, you know, <laughs> stuck at home for the last 15 months and not being able to go to a match. And, but it's, it's brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant to be here and to see the, the matches live. Oh, it makes an awful difference. What little things did you miss? Like clicking through the turnstiles, meeting up with meeting, people? Meeting the lads, meeting the lads, uh, the whole thing, because you, know, you only met them once a week and you, you, know, you went through everything and you know, reminisced over old, old times and everything else. And it's amazing just, just to get out and meet people. <laughs> <laughs> people like yourself, you tell me that you're, you're living on your own I, in uh, Galway. Uh, so people like yourself, the elder statesman, as, as my friend Gary would like to say, who, you know, the Friday nights in Tala, this would be the big thing they have to look forward to each week. What's, been, what's it been like not having that for 16 months? It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. I live on my own in the, in the country. I could go for a month, see nobody, talk to nobody, hear nobody, <laughs> absolutely meet nobody. Absolute, total isolation. <laughs> you know, I, I'd say three, four months at a time, you could you'd say that you have total isolation. The last 15 months, um, I haven't spoken to 10 people. Do you know what I mean? I haven't met 10 people, like, socially. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just something... You don't get used to it. You know, it, it, it goes on and on and on and on. You know, you get up in the morning, you go to bed at night, and you get up in the morning, you go to bed at night, and that's what it is. <laughs> and that said, so, I mean, how much joy is this giving you tonight? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just amazing. Like, I mean... I left the house today at two o'clock to come up here and I was up and, you know, just, just to be out and, the, the, you know, to get away and to meet people and to talk to people. And I was selling the programmes then and, you know, meeting everybody going in like, and, you know, I mean, <laughs> haven't seen people for some people for 15 months, you know, so just, uh, um, like it's gone crazy, I mean, but I suppose we'll have to live with it and we'll have to try and get, get out the other side of it somewhere or another, but hopefully the end is in sight. <laughs> And looking into the stands there, the east and the south stand, they're singing, they're chanting. The ball goes in the net and we actually hear cheers rather than eerie yeah. silence. It's, it's amazing, isn't, isn't it? it? Isn't it great? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I was afraid, I, mean, just, I was just opposite um, Green when he scored. So, but I was afraid he was going to be flagged for offside. <laughs> we were waiting, waiting for Bart or somebody to say and he was offside. Yeah. But, no, it was, it was absolutely it was, it was grand. It was great to see the ball going into the net. 
and even the other one that uh, that uh, Rory, that rebounded in. But that one, that should have been a corner. That rebounded off the the Finn House defender. But um, no, we're playing well. We're playing well. Things we're playing better than most games this year. That was my next question. How do you think we're playing? And this season in general, what sort, what players are sticking out for you? Um, obviously the season though, Rory Gaffney is, is playing well. He's he's on fire. Now. He's very alert, and you know, and Mandrew as well. Uh, two of them, and Green, Green, Mandrew, and Gaffney are combining well. Max Murphy is showing up well. Now. That's the first time I've seen Max nearly live, and um, yeah, I've, I've been he's been right in front of me there at times. And, Showing up very well. Uh, I like I like to, to see the way he's playing there. You know, um, but you no, know, they're playing well this evening. All right, I, I like it. Yeah, so great to hear him, and lovely to hear that he uh, the isolation hasn't affected him too much. He's a very sprightly man and uh, a positive fella. So it's it's good mm. to hear that he hasn't been too affected by um, the isolation that he, he spoke about. So great to have him back selling programs and Actually, and his his, his ringtone. His ring, can can um, I ask him where he got this ringtone because I want it you might think that that interview was done surrounded by in the puddle itself frogs and a <laughs> slot machine but no that was a ringtone and Kieran rattling his pockets for some reason I said to him afterwards thanks for all those sound effects yeah lovely that helped <laughs> it's like Grandpa Joe isn't he from Willy Wonka Grandpa out, Joe. out and about for the first time in not quite 20 years but a long time because yeah, like, I was actually quite taken aback by how isolated he said he was. Yeah, it's not ten people in the lockdown. Like it's crazy. And you take rowers out, out of someone's life like that. That's it can totally, totally yeah. uh, obliterate their existence. You could say at times. Like I mean, it's some people their whole life revolves around it. You know. And great to hear him being po- so positive though. Absolutely. Uh, I think he's uh, a, isn't Kieran the same fella who stopped me from taking a C from Malahada Spots. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely banjo, and I'd only got the Linfield yeah. one. Do you remember? So I was thinking, I can, I can add this to the fucking collection. So it was broken anyway. So I'm rub- rubbing out the seat, and he goes, "Put that down." Sorry, Kieran. <laughs> uh, everyone remember Kieran coming into the Glenbellor suite. That's where you get your program. Yep. But uh, yeah, at halftime, Richie walked across you guys in the sales stand, and he's had a round, rousing rendition of uh, "He knows the balls are shy." You there for this now? Who's Richie? Who Richie? Richie Tell. Oh, I didn't see him. I probably I was out. Do you know what? I was out in the back, out in the back, dossing and messing with the rest of the crew. Out Fair there enough. chatting away, just walking around the back of the stand at halftime, talking to everybody. It was great. So coming out, yeah, prof. So we'll talk about our chances now, starting into the second half, playing into the south stand. You love it when you love to see it. Second half, playing into the south stand. Seemed like fate. And considering all our late goals this season, but no, not to be. We 52 minutes for Afghanistan. His cross was nicked off the feet of Aaron Green, waiting in front of the goal. Is this something that we spoke about before about our players waiting in the box for the ball to come to them? Or they should be being a little bit proactive and trying to get I feel like I've front? seen a lot of these in the last three, four games. Yeah. This, it seems to be the case. But one all on 55, Prof. And this one. It looked it like it took an eternity for him to get near the goal. So he made an overlapping wing run around. Well, McNamee our, played him in. Yeah, it was a lovely ball in, but like he he had far too much time. And this is where we get caught a couple of times now on the wide positions, because our because like said Gannon and Farouk or Gannon and Kavanagh are so far up at times, and this is where teams have been punishing us. And like it, it was poor Manus was just 
Manus was poor again or do you, you go watch through your back, legs like, clo- I mean, do you he, say he's poor for this if you watch him he's closing the angle down mm. he's giving him nowhere except for yeah. through his legs which so yeah maybe so for. yeah it's a bit unlucky in his on his sense but he shouldn't be getting beaten there obviously oh, it's very frustrating to watch I couldn't I couldn't believe my dinner thought it was because it's not a fucking goal is it and look at Al's reaction he's disgusted by yeah. himself absolutely he says it all but uh, now nah, it's poor goal Borky coming on as well, probably 100 appearances for the club. Many goals in 100 appearances. 40-something, isn't it? That's the case. That's, 40 that's really one. good. That's really good. That's a good return. So, considering he is an attacking midfielder. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good return from... Uh, but chances, Prof, we had a couple of penalty shouts here. Gannon, Gannon got fouled. This is a stonewall penalty for me. Yes, Gaff- Gaffney was first. Yeah. I thought there was a penalty as well. Like, there was mm. contact. This no, contact. I think Gaffney not a penal. Contact is the ultimate clincher when it comes to penals, and he was he was. It was Gannon contact. though, I think, I think he's tripped. Yeah, hundred percent tripped. Hundred percent. He tripped. rolls about eight times, yeah. which probably doesn't help. Plus, we spoke about this before, but not getting penals anymore. We're not getting. It's happening. Penals. We're, We're totally blacklisted now. <laughs> there won't be any more. Totally. Although, in the moment, because the ref. Like blows his whistle, you think he's giving it, mm. but he's actually booking Gannon for the could time. be a lot of late. See, have you if you, you were saying that you didn't get to watch much of the Euros le- lately? Wait and you see some of the disallow goals in the Euros as regards to late flags. So we weren't being we weren't getting helped out with late flags here, giving us penalties. You want to see <laughs> some of the late flags? Absolutely unbelievable. Like they're not making the decision for offside until there's a goal. I think it was Mbappe was. He was about about four, three or four feet offside, and he got the ball. Now the line out could have twitched, and then he kept it down, wait, waited for Mbappe to skin someone and bury it in off the post, and then raised his flag. So they're waiting for the fans to celebrate and embarrass themselves, and then give it give the offside. Now they were right, they were right for the two for the two goals I'm thinking of. Mm. But Jesus, like the lay flags are nuts. So um, as for chances, there was one where the ball fell to O'Neill on the edge of the box, and he. Drilled it, but there was so many bodies in the yeah. way. Um, Manju had a lovely shot save as well. I thought he hit the yeah, Manju very strong arms on there. his left foot. No chocolate wrists there. Very good save. And and then there was one at the end where people are saying Gaffney should have hit himself, and then he, he kind of leaves it for Berkey. A little bit of hesitation, wasn't it? Berkey couldn't keep it down. He plays it over. So those were the chances, but I thought no, we were, mm. thought we were much better first half in terms of. Opening them up. There was our urgency in the last 10-15 minutes was good. Like mm. we really laid siege yeah. to the Harps goal. They but did ter- very well, didn't they? In terms of actually breaking them down. No. We're not doing it, lady. We, but I will say I did like Greener's little link up with Gaffney at times. Like that's how they should be linking up, like Greener dropping deep and looking for Gaffney in around the shoulder, in around the corner. That's the way we should be playing with them two of them mm. on the pitch at the same time so that was nice to see starting to get a bit of a connection together um, as regards to some of the chances as well like you said we didn't cut them open at all really did we nothing clear cut no I didn't think so a couple of uh, pot shots from outside the goal and things like that but once again they did well they did a job on that they did a job on Danny Mandrew they they doubled up on him a couple of times they they shackled him and your man Coyne again like I said earlier he's, 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 he's very good against us every time well, everything we tried to do was kind of true, um, Danny, wasn't it? Yeah. And but that's been the way, hasn't it? With with mm. since we've had so many injuries, is that he is our kind of quarterback and he starts everything. McCann, yeah. McCann was 
Macau was just kind of meh. Wasn't he just kind of floating along and didn't really do much to impress me? Yeah, so uh, one of the 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 crack in the stand was was great to have back as well, and a couple of the shouts. Maloney, great to have the banter back. The football, one of the best shouts of the night was here. Mac the media, not a bar was back open. So <laughs> all, all the 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 sense of humour that cut through you like a knife is good to have it back as well. And another good one was this was shouted at the bald ref. Get the fucking hair out of your eyes. <laughs> Just the simple ones make me laugh. Like. Yeah, so probably my attempt at a, at a songwriting has fell flat on its face. Absolutely. I thought I came up with a masterpiece for Rory Gaffney. It was, I want to know what love is, right? And it, it was, like, I want a Rory Gaffney. And it went on. <laughs> Sounded great when I was out having a roll and a few gargles on me. But then, out of nowhere... Uh, I think it was the ultras. I'm not who sure started. It was let us know who started because the songwriting credit is important, and it just started going la 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 da 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 Rory Gaffney, and it went down brilliant. The whole stand was singing, absolutely top class, and it's gonna stick. It really is gonna stick. So Gaffney officially has a song now. So yeah, now I was loving it. But yeah, the performance overall, prof, a little bit better. Should be beating Finn Harps at home, but then again, do do you deserve to beat anybody? You know, is that a privileged thing? Where you, you turn around and say, oh, we should be beating them. Maybe we shouldn't be saying that anymore. Maybe, like, Finn Harps, they deserved the point because they battled well. They were worth the points. Yeah, they battled well. We had they, could have, they could have nicked it at the end with the header. Actually, you forgot to mention that, yeah. I, the, shit, I shit myself. That man. was folly at the end, wasn't it? Yeah. That, was, that was hard to mouth stuff. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, this this could go in here. So, um, I hate, see that? I hate when you have momentum at the end of a game and then you just give away a free in your own box and you're just like, oh, like it just kills it off, you know? Or you give mm. away a free in your own half, sorry, not in your own box. But yeah, no, the time wasting as well, Prof. This is just a regular fiction now against teams. And Apparently, uh, Peter Richardson in the, was a South stand blowing a gasket and built a time waste. <laughs> it is so, frustrating, though. I wish I'd seen that, but. Um, there was a there was a couple of frustrating things. Like there was one where a harps player was injured, right at the touchline, and you could just could have just rolled them off, and carried on. But that sort of stuff really kills the momentum. I was watching a, a video yesterday where the two players from the opposite team actually lifted them up by the legs and the arms of an injured player, just <laughs> yes. dumped them on the ground, dumped them on the sideline. Think you love to see. So it just they wasted even more time because it was a scuffle after that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so the yeah. time waste didn't help us. But overall, I mean, a lot of people saying that uh, oh, we're happy to be just back in the stands. Now we are, we are, but we want to win as well. You know, there's two sides to the story here. It's a tight title race now. We, sh- I, th- I think we should have beat them, but it was a, a success, big success. So well done to everybody who behaved themselves. And uh, yeah, so the pilot was a big success. But over- overall, everybody. Happy to be back in the, in the stands. So we'll talk about the hotline prof. The Tifties hotline is back, and here with the hotline questions. So describe how it felt to be in Tallah Stadium with a thousand fans on Friday night, entering the ground, seeing live football again, seeing friends, and any other little things you missed. So, um, like I said, the little things that I missed were the, the cutting comments, <laughs> stuff like that. Fantastic stuff. Uh, what was your favourite of the Thirty Three League game? Unbeaten run and why? Uh, obviously. Dundalk comes into mind straight away, but I loved Sligo. I just had everything. The away trip itself was deadly. The last away trip of the whole thing, it was a mental away trip. We controversy, Green are getting chips thrown at me, eating them. Just a really good game of football, you know. And the balls went on opening day as well. Balls went on opening day as well. And the weather was horrendous. We've Waterford and balls away next. What are your best memories of trips to Waterford and Daily Mount Park? Any favourite goals or fan stories from the two grounds in recent years? Um... 
Jesus, there's been so many, isn't there? But really looking forward to that now. Waterford are going to be no pushovers, bruv. No pushovers whatsoever. Burcham is in there and he's it's similar to Wexford situations. as well. New gaffer, breathe new life into the team. It's not going to be a fucking joke around there. They're going to play from. Uh, for is there something that you feel the club could be doing better behind the scenes at the moment social media merchandise etc yeah and um, jeez what, uh, I, haven't, I, haven't got, I haven't got time to put the amount that I'm not happy with I can't do it I can't do it at the moment prof. well both of those things and the examples we give there um, are to be critical of the club at the moment social media has been phenomenal yeah it is and which is a difficult thing to do when the fans can't be at the games and kind of try and <laughs> think of new content all the yeah, time there's not much content there is there but uh, no hats off uh, and five what League of World podcast do you listen to uh, which host of another LOI show would you like to swap with Gareth Prof just for a day and who would be and who would be a terrible stand in Jesus there's a few wasn't there <laughs> I don't know I couldn't even think on the spot here I'd say I don't know who we get to stand in Prof we get Lambert get Daniel Lambert in they can talk about the bees that pollinated fucking Daily Mount Park. Bees. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, next up, uh, we have the Tifties Hotline. Hotline. How are you there, lads? It's Ryan McDyer here. Uh, Staunch United Union Champions Cup fan. Prof denigrated the competition last week on the pod, so I'm delighted to be on this week on the hotline to uh, try and write that wrong. And the lads have asked me a few questions here, so we'll get on to them. Uh, number one, what was it like being back in Tala on Friday? Um, it was it was very strange. It was it, it wasn't the same as you know it was back at the start of last season or in twenty nineteen and all. But it was it was good to be back, you know, to see all the sort of faces that you only recognise from seeing at matches. Um, I think somebody might have been Aussie Nate a few weeks ago said. Um, you know, that football matches with people that you only know for a few hours a week. And it sort of felt a bit like that, you know, just seeing people again. Um that the operation as well, the whole setup with the temperature checks and the distance and the masks and all was quite good. You know, it was a slick operation. So I have to applaud everyone involved in organising that. And um, you know, hopefully please God now those heads of success and all the other events are grand and we'll get a few more thousand in. Hopefully we can get a decent capacity in at the European games. That'd be great. Um, yeah, and it was just good as well to uh, be able to shout and sing and do all that stuff, you know. My voice was hoarse before the game even started, so it's a good crack. Um, number two, what was my favourite game from the unbeaten run? Um, I I think the 3-2 against Dundalk, um, the last game in Hollywood fans, was sort of stands out because that really put down a marker that we're going to push on and try and make a run at the league title which we did that year um, sort of it was good as well to get a win over them in a big game because it was in the June the year before we lost 1-0 to the Montella when we really sort of won that game and it was Sean Gannon that I think it was Sean Gannon laid on the game up at the north end of the stadium got the goal to win it for Dundalk and then they pushed on and won the league that year so it's good to get a win over them. Um, as well as that, there was the Dundalk and Bowes games um, in front of no fans late in 2020. That um, Oh no, sorry, the Dundalk and Bowes games this year. Sorry, where we didn't really, you know, deserve to get a, to get the results that we got. Um, and especially in the Bowes game where we got a few, 
you know, dodgy decisions our way for a change. Two years to the day after um, the same refs had off Lee Grace for a handball. That wasn't a handball. Um, so that was good. And then the Bowles Harps game as well was a uh, very good watching a uh, Harps beat them in Dublin for the first time this century. And, you know, Mark Anthony McGinley making some great saves to win the title for us. That was good. Um, so Waterford and Bowles coming up. One of my memories of away trips there. Um, I've only been to one Waterford game away. That was the opening day of 2019 when it was either Eaton Boyle or Orhan Voyage scored the winner um, Bradley time before we knew Bradley time was a thing um, I've been to a good few bowls away games the cup semi-final in 2019 has to has to be the one that I remember the most just you know it, it, you're on edge the entire day because it means so so much to it means a lot to get a win over bowls anyway but to do that and then to book a place in the final was stunning and especially after we, you know, we had a horrible run for a few years against them, and then we got the win in the league a month or two before that. And then to beat them in sort of the only game that really mattered out of the the previous few years, you know, we still managed to finish ahead of Bowles every year that they went undefeated against us. And then the first time there's a huge important game where the winner gets to go to a cup final, we beat them. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, that's that. So then question four. Do we think the club could be doing it better behind the scenes as regards social media or merch or whatever? Um, I don't think they really could. They did sort of push the boat out for, you know, when we were playing AC Milan to try and get merch out to people um, to make up for ticket sales that weren't there. And when we won the league as well, you know, there was a good bit of merch for the 18 title that we won. There was posters and all that being sold. So I don't think there's a huge amount. Um, It'd be nice. I know they're sort of in the pipes. I think they're planning on releasing vintage jerseys or something like that. That would be pretty cool um, if they do come through with that. And then just for the social media part of it, it we'll have to see how it goes with League of Ireland TV because if, if they can get replays of goals or incidents up on social media a few minutes after they happen, that'd be fantastic. Um, all right, and then the final question, what other podcasts, League of Ireland podcasts, do we listen to? Um, None really. I, I'd listen to Tifties, um, Three Castles Burning, and then Football Weekly by The Guardian. They'd be the big three that I'd listen to. I don't really have a lot of time to fit in other ones, but I would listen to, um, you know, I have them all written out here, the League of Ireland Weekly or League of Ireland Central, or RTE Soccer, Collie's Call, the, the Greatest League in the World, or the Yellow Arena, and the Friday I'm in Louise. Um, I'd listen to them if they have somebody from Rovers on, to be honest. Um, that's about it. And then who would I swap out? Um, for Gar or Prof uh, I'll tell you what I dropped Prof from the podcast um, I think he needs a break after disrespecting the United Union Champions Cup um, and I bring in Winston to be honest um, I think he, he could do a, do a good job presenting the podcast with Gar and uh, he probably have better stats than Prof anyway so um, yeah that could go good or bad so I think that answers uh, the the uh, that part of the question. Um, all right, lads. Thanks for having me on. Keep on hooping. Hey, how's doing, lads? Uh, Liam Regan, Gimarangs here. Um, delighted to be asked to do the Tifties hotline. Long time listener. Uh, I suppose first time caller. Um, yeah. So basically, the last night or Friday night in Tala um, was indescribable for me. Um, the lead up in the week, just the buzz, booking the tickets, being able to book, um, sort of your own area. It it is 
stand i was in the south stand block w where it usually be so that gave me another extra little bit of a buzz but walk dragging along uh the friday you know going for a few points with me mate jimmy beforehand um and then getting the taxi up to tala to, when it really hit me first off was uh seeing the crowds of families crossing the uh the tala bypass and I never realised until then, I suppose, I associated that so much with football, just seeing the, the people, streams of fans going across that road. It's just, I suppose, it's, I suppose, synonymous with Tallinn now, massive crowds. And um, from the minute you went into the stadium, like, everyone was, was smiling and, and it was great crack, great atmosphere. Um, the, the, the singing and the atmosphere was absolutely exceptional like every single person in that stadium was giving it their all um obviously the result didn't go our way but that was kind of in the back of a lot of people's minds it was being back there seeing people you hadn't seen in over a year um having the crack again and just you know seeing rovers in the flesh it was just it was an experience I'm, i'll never forget and i'm i'll cherish and i'm happy that i was there and feel very lucky that i was there um, so looking forward to doing it again two weeks against Strada. Um, my favourite game of the thirty three league game unbeaten run was the three two uh win in Tallaght against Dundalk, the one just before COVID hit. Uh, reason being, a lot of my mates are from Dundalk, unfortunately, and um, you know, wiping the smugness off their their faces w- w- was a great feeling, but also. You like the atmosphere, the sellout crowd, the build up to that game, um, the quality of football on show, the goals, like you know, Flores doesn't play for us, that's a cracking goal to experience in the flesh. And then for Jack Bourne to finish it off three two with just an absolute stunner of a goal was just you know, is it absolutely the epitome of what League of Ireland could be and should be week in, week out. Um, if more people got involved, I suppose, and you know, it's exactly what we love about the league, how the, the the exceptional standard that was on show and and the atmosphere that fans create. Um my best memories going to Daily Mount, um the four 0 win uh, under Pat Fenlon was uh, brilliant just because obviously winning four 0 um in the home of our biggest rivals is excellent. I remember from that night Brandon Mila was absolutely exceptional it was just a meal of master class but the standout moment from that game for me was the first goal uh gary mccabe the ball's just bobbling around and it's down to des kelly end so uh you know we're all kind of behind the goal whatever and the ball bounces outside the box and mccabe just drills it uh, through the bodies and hits the back of the net and just everyone goes absolutely insane so I absolutely love that goal. I love that moment uh, in Daily Mount. Um, another memory of Daily Mount is bringing me May Sean, who isn't really into League of Ireland football, to to Daily Mount, and he'd only kind of been to smaller games in Tala against probably Harps and and uh, Drada and that. So he was he didn't really get the buzz or whatever. But uh, we scored. It was the one all draw the night of the 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 referendum, the the abortion referendum. And uh, his face, he just, he shot his cacks the minute we scored. And, you know, he ended up 10 rows down. He was in the stairwell and just, you know, the shock on his face just made it for me. And since then, he's he's been really involved and, and going to games and, and loving the League of Ireland. So I suppose he got the fright of his life, but 
you know, a kick kickstart is kind of his story in League of Ireland, I suppose. So I love that that experience. Um, something that I feel the club could do in the background. I, I think the club are going from strength to strength, and I think I don't know. There's nothing much they could do. I'd love to see a, a women's team in the women's national league again. I suppose. Um, you know, it didn't really get off the ground really last time I don't think so I don't know what what that reason was but I'd love to see us give another big go there with the women's team um podcast that I listen to around the League of Ireland uh the only one religiously that I listen to is Tifties um the other ones I kind of dip in and out of um I'd listen to Ella Arena most um because I enjoy Khan I think he's you know very good at what he does and obviously he's a Rovers fan so um if I was to swap anybody in or out uh you know if I was to swap Gar or the prof out it would definitely be for Khan. Um just because he's a Rovers man I couldn't have anyone else in there. Uh, it just wouldn't feel right even though it's just for the day. Um and it definitely wouldn't be the two uh Carly and Stewie Bourne because I just I can't stand them if they're not interviewing someone. I just think they talk some waffle and it just does me nothing. They come across like they're, you know, giving the expert opinion, but they flip-flop every week and they just, they're so biased and it's so clear that they hate Rovers that I just can't listen to them. You know, their interviews are, are decent every now and again with, with players or whatever, but outside of that, it's it's woeful and I wouldn't have them anywhere near Tifties. How are you, lads? Kieran Stafford here. Yeah, being back in Tallaght on Friday was a surreal and uh, an emotional experience. Um, it's funny in a sense, like when you've been away for 15 months and all of a sudden 20 minutes in, it feels like you never left. Um, from, you know, from a personal perspective, Rowers is a huge part of my life. Um, we've been very fortunate to make a lot of lifelong friends through Rovers um, and you know after, after not seeing a lot of people for for that lengthy period of time to be able to to see so many people and have a few points of people beforehand um, is something that I probably would have taken for granted um, over the last few years but I certainly won't be taken for granted um, from now on so really looking forward to doing the same for Jorotta my favourite game out of the 33 unbeaten. Um, the two that stick out in the memory straight away are obviously Grainer's last minute winner in Daily Mount. Fairly self explanatory. Um, but the, the game I'll go for is, is the 3 2 at home to Dundalk. Um, and just had everything. If, you, if you're ever looking for an advertisement for League of Ireland football, that was the game. The atmosphere, the crowd, the goals, the standard of the game. Um, it was just a, a great occasion, and for me, you know, when I walked out of Tala that night, that, that was when I when I firmly felt that the the tide had turned. Uh, memories from Waterford and Bowes, um, immediately think of Ethan Boyle slash Alki Vojic's last minute winner, the opening game of the two thousand nineteen season. Myself and Milner uh, stayed in Waterford that night, so. We had a good soap with the lads back in the, the hotel after that goal. I suppose more recently, um, I think it was one of the one of the games before COVID wrapped up the season. Um, was the the two 0 down there on a Monday night when Reese Marshall 
scored that cracker, the only thing he did for overs. And um, myself and Milner got picked up from work and were driven down by one of Milner's cousins. And uh, my cousin Sean was getting a lift from Carl Kearns and Bucket. And Mr. Kearns' judgment of traffic isn't exactly the best because the lads arrived 20 minutes in after missing both goals. And I'm not exaggerating when I say literally fuck all happened for the remainder of the game. So that's one, another one that sticks out. In terms of bows, Jesus, plenty of good and plenty of bad. Um, Finner's last minute header to level it in 2011. I was actually, um, I was, I actually turned 21 the week we beat them 4 0 in Daily Mount. I mean, you can't really ask for a, a better present than beating balls 4 0. Um, and then, as I previously mentioned, obviously, Greener's last minute winner at the start of last season. I actually missed the, the cup semi-final due to unforeseen circumstances. But, um, yeah, that's obviously, I know, that'll be everyone's go-to one. I presume that'll be everyone's go-to one. Um, I couldn't be any more complimentary of everything the club are doing at the moment in, in terms of the, the media aspect. Um, even the little small alterations in, in recent times with the, you know, rec- recording the lads walking in, the warm-ups and all that. I think everything about it has been absolutely excellent and it's a credit to everyone that's involved the media team um that the standard that we're upholding at the moment if we'd one slight criticism i won't i'm not gonna criticism but something i think we could do better get those retro jerseys out they've been hinted at for so long now and i'm i'm waiting to spend me money so if there's people that are uh looking after that sort of thing listening sort out the retro jerseys because I can't imagine I'm the only one to be perfectly honest with you I don't really listen to any other League of Ireland podcast I, this would be the only one I'd really listen to I did listen to Nate's interview uh, a couple of weeks ago it was absolutely excellent what a man um, you know Nate's a top fella um, a great bloke a great addition to the club and he's a, he's a true embodiment of everything that it is to be a Shamrock Rovers fan Um. So, in fairness, the two lads conducted the interview very well. So, if there were to be a replacement um, for Gary or Prof, it would probably be one of the two lads. Um, one person that I wouldn't want in would be that prick, Alan Cawley. Um I always like to keep neutral. I try and sit in the fence as much as possible. But Cawley is a bitter, bitter man. And um, he doesn't try to hide. I'd actually have more respect for Cawley if he admitted he hates Rovers. Um, but the, the fact that he, he tries to pretend he's neutral um, and then shits on Rovers every, and, and particularly Bradley at any given opportunity um, it irritates the life out of me. I'm, I'm all for, you know, winding. I, I, I'm, always, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you know Rovers are doing well and it's, it's the only thing in people's mouths. But Jesus Christ, some of the stuff gets gets tiresome with, with how bitter people get. Anyways... Thanks for that, lads. Keep on helping. Hey, lads. It's Orla Stanford. It was just so, so good to be back home on Friday. Completely lifted the spirits. I live so close to the stadium, and it's just torture at times when you can hear the game, see the floodlights. It's it's just so hard not being there. 
Um, the build-up for me started as soon as I seen the thousand fans trial event was going to happen in Tala, and I just couldn't remember being so nervous about getting the ticket until I was talking to my friend before, and I was thinking about the Spurs away game and the queue, and the Chinese whispers of how many tickets were left were torture and trying to count people ahead of you to see if you had a chance. Obviously, a bit different. Uh, this time round, my dad's a member, and he felt bad that he was guaranteed a ticket and I wasn't. So he didn't have the guts to call me, but he sent me a message to say that he that I could have a draw the draw had a ticket. He loves me, but not enough for the first time going back and listen, I could never blame him. But I got the email with the golden ticket and it was amazing. The match day was starting, some pints grub, taxi down to the stadium, got a Bowles fan driving the taxi, of course. Bit of banter with him, but he knew the tutties, so he was given a pass. Um, at the stadium, everything was just so well organised. The ticket scan, temperature check, so many familiar, happy faces. The atmosphere was just amazing. When I got through the gates, the first two people I seen were Maloney and Dunster. And they probably had a real job, but to me, they were just a welcoming committee for the day. And I was buzzing to see them. I had goosebumps walking up the steps and I'd expected to be quite emotional but it didn't happen until the 12th minute the recognition for all the fans that had passed away was a lovely lovely touch like the match wasn't what we wanted we hadn't been playing to the standard that we're expecting them to but being back in the stadium being back with the fans the community which is what it is it's just the best day of the year for me I found it really, really difficult to adjust to being a bar stooler and being put on my sofa to watch a Rovers game. I just don't enjoy it. So for me, the standout of the unbeaten run was never going to be one that I watched at home. It was always, without a doubt, going to be one that I was in the stadium for. Um, and for me, it was the five-goal battle against Dundalk the full house, the great advertising for the league, the start of the 2020 season. I think it was the highest league attendance in Tala and it really, really felt the, the standout goals for the game. Obviously, Pico's header, that cracking Flores goal, I have to give him the credit for it. Jack's curler into the left to give us the, the win. Um, it was just a cracking game, cracking advertisement for the mm -hmm. league. Um, I know that we have Waterford next and I can't, I don't have like a million standout memories of Waterford. I got really annoyed that they didn't have tea the last time I was down there. Um, but the goal that stands out for me was Marshall's, which is the, the top right to start the last season as well. And for Dahlia, my standout is nothing for anyone else really to remember it was it was my first game in daily in in 2010 um and it was just exactly what you would expect of a dublin derby like few digs decent tackles we literally cancelled each other out it was a good game but it was nil all draw and there was a scrap at the full-time whistle um and i do remember flinny was the first to get booked and I think there was four or five bookings that night, but Flinny always leading the way in the Dublin Derby. Uh, the club have just been fantastic since we haven't been at games. Communication is just top. 
they've done great with their merch uh i've definitely spent uh, a few of my COVID savings in uh on the new ranges uh, i'd love to see a women's fit jersey we've a lot of women going now let's get a jersey for them nice nice fitted women's jersey and uh i mean the blackout range last season was snapped up so something along those lines once a season would be great to see as well um i'm actually listening to league of Ireland arena as well uh with con and the l gent conan and um, i'd sub gary and get con in for the show we fit right in the the uber professional uh but the dream for probably a podcast fan and a nightmare mm-hmm. for gary and prof um is ollie horkin like because they wouldn't be able to rein him in and it'd be just a class car crash to listen to uh koh lads hopefully see us at the draw of the game after we hammer balls Derek kelly uh rovers member from crumlin and uh lifelong rovers fan um so we got back on friday night uh absolutely brilliant uh fellow years being away really did even walking up to the ground was was special and uh, just looking forward to seeing familiar faces and friends we've known for years. It felt like it was it was like the opening night in Tala all over again in many ways. And uh, lovely evening for the game. And fortunately, my dad's season ticket holder was one of the lucky ones to get in as well. So always great to uh, to be there with the man that introduced me to Rovers all those years ago. Um, familiar, familiar faces as I was saying. Uh, really, really great to see everybody again, and hopefully it's not too long before we're all back in together. And uh, it's just, it seemed to, it's just, it was a really successful night by all accounts, and uh, from everything is even the the temperature checks and going into the ground all seemed to go straight forward. We we got there early, so there was no issues, and uh, just really relaxed atmosphere around the place and. It's just great to be back, and uh, I'm sure everybody enjoyed their night, bar the results. I actually enjoyed the game, uh, even though we didn't get the win. I thought we played some good stuff, mainly first half, but uh, we seemed to run out of ideas then in the second half after uh, the equaliser. But uh, we're just going through a little bit of a rough patch at the moment, and uh, we're still top of the league, so you can't really complain. I think there's more to come, and hopefully we start to see it again soon. Um, I just want to thank the club for and the volunteers and the way everything was organised. You know, everything everything went smoothly and uh, it was just a great night all around and good to be back. Um, the thirty three game run, unbeaten run, uh, what a what a superb achievement! And hats off to the players and Stephen Bradley and everyone at the club. I, I really think it, it, it's been. It wasn't. It hasn't been recognised outside our club as much as it should have been, in my opinion. It was. It was a phenomenal achievement, and the likes is unlikely to be seen again, probably in my lifetime anyway. And uh, the players deserve great credit for it. And uh, it's just a shame the fans miss so much of it because uh, it was really, it was really some oh, memorable games in there along the way. Great performances, individual performances, and team performances, and. Uh, I suppose it was the one game that stands out above all else was the, the Dundalk, the three two and Tala. It was just a just an unbelievable night. Fortunately we were there for that one, albeit the last one in Tala. 
and just the game had everything two two superb teams like playing at the top of their game end to end stuff great goals great atmosphere uh, I think a record attendance in Tala on the night and it was just in all honesty it was one of the best games I've ever attended in over 30 years going to Rovers and uh, had everything and just live long in the memory uh, other other notable uh, mentions obviously wins over bowls and pats along the way as well is always nice but uh, you can't look past the, the Dundalk game uh, absolutely brilliant night that was and uh, again hats off to the players for an incredible achievement uh, as I say it really wasn't uh, stated enough particularly in the media how good an achievement it was uh, we've Waterford and Bowles up next uh, away both of them so two tough games uh, some good trips down the years uh, the Daily Mount in particular uh, funny enough Daily Mount is one of my earliest Rovers memories because Rovers were playing there in the, the early 90s obviously after the loss of Milltown and it was, that was around the time my dad started bringing me to games I was in Milltown a couple of times I don't remember much football now but uh, I used to, I start going regularly when uh, Rovers were playing in uh, in Daily Mount for a period and um, as I say myself and my cousins and my uncles and that's where it all started Um some great games obviously over the years too many I suppose to try and remember them all I suppose the earliest one would have been the the FEI Cup game I think it was in the 93-94 season I remember it, uh, it actually went to a, a, a second replay if I remember correctly I just remember the day in, in Daily Mount I think it was a Sunday afternoon I stand to be corrected but uh, just a brilliant atmosphere of the game I remember at the, beginning, at the start of the game fans throwing toilet rolls and bus tickets and all sorts onto the pitch I think I was only around 13 at the time and uh, Stephen Gagan got the goal and a one-all draw I remember there went to a, it was a replay in the RDS I think on midweek then I think it was finished 2-2 I remember getting off school early for that one uh, some obviously interesting uh, games in Daily Mount over the years on and off the pitch uh, recent years obviously I remember the 4-0 absolutely cracking atmosphere great night for us um, and obviously last but not least in trips to Daily Mountain recent times obviously the FAI Cup semi-final what a brilliant night it was and uh, great atmosphere and with good people good friends good rovers good helpers and it was, it was just a great night um, word of it away uh I've had many trips down to Waterford over the years. Again, it's hard to remember them all. I suppose uh, in recent times, I remember uh, coming back from uh, from Sweden from the European game and a Sunday game down there. I think it was me, uh, Gary Twigs of Paris Club, ran a bus on the Sunday. It was great atmosphere on the bus and good day out. You can't beat an old Sunday afternoon game down the country. I think Gary Shaw got a, a late winner. Uh, that stands out. Uh, another couple of wins there recently. I remember the, I think it was Ethan Boyle got a last minute winner down there. There was some scenes on the the stand and terraces for that one. Um, I remember uh, Akinadi. I think I'm not sure if it was his debut. But it was I think he'd only recently joined Waterford. He got dogs abuse all afternoon, rightly so, and to get the win was great. Uh, as far as the club's social media um, goes, I hats off to everybody involved in it in the last year or two. It's been absolutely brilliant, and particularly while we've been away, 
keeping us uh, up to date with everything. And I, I just think it's uh, it's taken on a, a different level, and uh, I can't really fault anything about it. Um, the merchandise has been very good since we returned to Umbro. Um, some great range of stuff there for all uh, all ages. And uh, the only slight thing I would say it's probably been brought up before, but we, a few people I think uh, obviously what the club might be able to look into. I think the possibility of even a, a small discount for members and season ticket holders on merchandise would be good. Um, other podcasts that I listen to, uh, not as much as I'd like to, but uh, the few that I, I do actually listen to, maybe not every week, but uh, on a regular basis, apart from the Tales from the East Stand, would be uh, the RTE soccer podcast. That tends to go up early in the week, so I'd listen to that. Um, I find it quite good. Um Alan Cawley's podcast can be decent depending on uh, what sort of guests he has on. Uh, apart from the fact that he actually hates Rovers. Um, I think everybody knows that. He gets stick for it and uh, rightly so sometimes. He's uh, obviously Sligo man but uh, yeah, very uh, very anti-Rovers in my opinion. Um, but he does have some good guests on and uh, I find it quite interesting. Um, LOI Central I'd probably listen to every week uh I actually, uh, even though he, he could talk for Ireland, I think uh, Johnny Ward is uh, is always entertaining, and I think him and Dan McDonald work well together. Um, we don't talk Dan as some of my friends like to call him, but uh, I respect him. He's uh, he's he's a very good uh, journalist, and the content of that show is uh, is always good. Um, I used to listen to a couple more, not so much recently. I think Between the Stripes was decent enough, but uh, I think the host of that show has a serious chip on the shoulder about uh, about Rovers, and uh, not surprisingly, uh, the club he supports of that time for nothing club, horrible club really, and never enjoy trips down there, and they don't bring much to the league in my opinion. Uh, as far as uh, replacing uh, the prof or Gary on the show with somebody else, uh, I suppose Johnny Ward himself uh, would be an interesting candidate. I'm not sure which of the lads he'd be replacing now, but uh, he'd probably need uh, extra tape to record that one. Uh, as I said before, he, he could talk for Ireland and uh, he's uh, he's always an interesting character. Um, thanks for uh, asking me to answer those questions and uh, I appreciate it and uh, keep on hooping. I think what I like about this is this is an interactive section in the podcast where you can answer it as you're listening. Do you know what I mean? That's what the the intriguing thing about that is. So while the questions are being answered, you're answering yourself because you have an association with it. So that's mm. I think that's what makes it so interesting. Well, you're saying like, no, I would have picked this rather yeah, than this. Exactly. <clears throat> totally interacting with it. Interactive so, uh, podcast, <laughs> Prof. We're, we're breaking. We're breaking molds here. <laughs> so a bit of a mini hotline this week. Only five callers rather than ten. And two debutants, you got Liam from Friday, I'm in Louis. Can you pronounce and his second name, please? Can you pronounce his full name, No, just, just Liam, I think. No, do it. Liam Regan. He he told me, he said, please, just, just call me Liam. No, he <laughs> so didn't. He said, Liam Regan, Gimarings, <laughs> prof. So we have Liam and Derek Kelly. Uh, that's Derek Kelly. I'm pronouncing his full name. Uh, yeah, you're for the tough one there. Two, well done, Two mate. debutants for a TFD, so uh, yeah, not fantastic stuff. Fair play to everybody. And I know, I know, a Waterford memory was probably tough to think of. Who has great memories of Waterford and the RC? But you know what, mine is. You mentioned them earlier. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> hand. Why? That is still my favourite memory of the, of the RC. You just kept taking the piss out of, the, of your man and the PA, just the way he would pronounce everything. 
And when there'd be a substitution, he'd be like, Number 17 is replaced. <laughs> replaced. <laughs> Kelly on it? <laughs> standing beside me. Uh, Turner is his mate, isn't it? Just the whole game. And the other memory is of, of the banner. You know the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. The banner yeah, at the RIC, yeah. which was unfurled above my head. So if you're looking at a picture of it, it looks like I'm orchestrating it. Prof, you just happen to be beside <laughs> all these. You just happen to be beside the enough is enough one as well. Do you know what I mean? I need to stop standing beside the others while not actually being in the others. Do you know it's, what I mean? Like There's a, a bit of a connection here, Prof. You're getting stung here. Send an L mixed signals. <laughs> we had some Alan Cardi bashing. Yeah, he deserves a few <coughs> slaps, doesn't he? Just anti-rovers madness. Although I do like him sometimes, I said it, but then he just goes on one. And uh, it's it's absolute garbage. And we had some suggestions for what the club could do. Um, these two people who weren't in the hotline, but they said it to us in uh, in the chat. And that is Barney and Pat Martin. They want Rovers pyjamas. Ooh, very, very, yes, definitely. Def- fluffy ones. Fluffy pyjamas for the boys. Definitely. I'm fond of a fluffy pyjama myself. Club needs to get the finger out. Yeah, I'm fond of but That sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Um, I think I think a casual range would be great as well. Do you know like a casual range of polos and shorts that aren't branded to fuck? Do you know like they don't necessarily have the Rovers crest on it? They'd have the Shamrock. Mm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And a little and it'd be subtle as well. Do you know like a or casual, the football loves us? Yeah, yes, yeah, something like that. You know what I mean? That's I think that a casual range would be and a little bit more quality. Like the polos would be a bit more quality. The shorts, stuff like that, like a jumper. You know, make it a little bit more. Uh, casual a couple of people mentioned the retro jerseys and uh, yeah 100% I'm actually I've been waiting for them to come out they were teased weren't they was it around Christmas time I or want something? long sleeve ones as well I want, oh yes I want a long sleeve purple whirlpool this this weather won't last forever Kerr. that's it I want a long sleeve purple whirlpool that's what I want yeah so we'll talk about the other results now prof we had Dundalk going home getting with the, the last man standing was decimated Dundalk losing 3-1 Oh, in in fucking Oriel Park or the lock win or yeah the lock losing 3-1 in Oriel Park against Waterford Bortram's mm-hmm. boys I knew loads of people went for the dock there I was like yep few of them are getting hit yeah, here yeah uh, Derry won all with Bowes I think a late goal again sticking the Bowes yeah Ali Coop got scored a cracker Longford losing at home uh, to the St. Pat's couple of good goals in that game um, Sligo losing knocked me out of the last man standing yeah. And all my uh, jeering of a certain midfielder all week, I think I might have spored him on. So I am inadvertently taking all of the credit for dropping his win and pushing us to the top of the table again. So mm-hmm. thanks, Gary P. And who's taking the credit for knocking me out the last man standing? Fucking UCD. Delighted I was. And do you know what? The second you picked it, I thought to myself, Prof's going out. Prof's going out. <laughs> Bastards. But uh, yeah, so it's. Uh, yeah, so we move on. That's the results, Prof. So we went top without even playing and second draw the goal, swung it. 2-0 yeah. and I think they got a consolation towards the end. But uh, Chris Lyons, former, once again, we are yeah. he, the product of our own brilliance. Chris Lyons earned his... Uh, his he, he, cut, he cut his teeth with Rovers' B team. So. Doyle and Lyons got a few got a few goals that are names this season. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Tarmy takes me out of that result. He just goes, I see we're top again. Some crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's great Dundalk shambles prof Dundalk are an absolute shambles and we had a very very good post Gary Gar Brennan put it into our group and it was a good 10 minute raid but my fucking sweet Jesus oh. 
It is a mega shit show in there. Oh, well, get the cameras in. Get them in there, hide them, and make a Netflix series because this is insane what's going on in, in Oriel. I have no sympathy at all. That was thoroughly entertaining. Wow. That text. Or what was it? It was a post in Oriel. Wow. Um, there was another te- uh, post after saying how much money Dundalk have made. They've made 10.5 million from Europe since 2016. And they're now 300 grand in the red. And what have they got? Lovely cinema. <laughs> that is shocking spending wow. for no return. Wow, all wages, all wages for fucking mercenaries. And as well, the Dundalk, <clears throat> Dundalk podcast. I always forget the name of it. Oh, the press box with James Rogers. I like the name of that. I'm not, uh, that's mm-hmm. the only thing they have going from the Liverpool podcast name. But uh, that was that was a full hour on the shit show that is Dundalk. And that was brilliant as well. My favourite part was, out of all the League of Ireland clubs that have an Umbro deal, Dundalk make the lowest profits. They make lower profits than Treaty United because Bill insisted on negotiating the deal himself. I'd say he just went and said, yeah, we want 80% of profits. He's got the cowboy hat. He's got the fucking rolls in on a horse. And the lasso. And he's got the lasso. Just lassoes Jonathan Courtney. You want 80%. Or Jonathan Courtney yeah. and getting spores. And, then, um, and every club with, him, with Umbro got that, you know, that cracking blackout gear. Yes. Every club got it except one Gary. Dundalk. Yeah, gorgeous. Because game. Bill. Oh, Billy boy, what? Um, a madman. But uh, there has to be a wheel. We're working on the Netflix series. Um, yeah, so um, Glenmore Rovers Prof had their fourth game, and uh, I actually couldn't make this one. Jaden had a game out in Blessington, and I was feeling rough, to be honest. A little bit rough. That's but, where we are. Uh, two. Shorty kickoff, two o'clock maybe. But yeah, down 4 1, but some good performances. Maloney is the uh, the analyst, the analyst for this one, and um, he's saying they've got the, the analyst. He's got the he's got the uh, he says they've the makings of a good team. Yeah, we so got the, we got the full report, didn't we, from from Maloney? Once again, they are calling out for more players. I think they need a goal scorer, prof. They need someone to bang them in. But they have a good core there, and uh, yeah, it's a preseason tournament. That's all it is so far. So. They're just getting the minutes into the legs. They're up against a tough opposing goalkeeper as well. They had Raf. They yeah. had Raf from the media team. I wonder uh, he couldn't keep the penalty out. They got a penalty. Glenmore scored a penalty. But uh, overall, I mean, these guys are playing together for years. I think there's a lot of futsal players as well. So, uh, yeah, no, unfortunate for Glenmore. But we will keep you up to date on their... Um, I think they were in action tonight as well, are they? They were. I was only driving by it. They were playing fire sale tonight. So we're not sure what the score is as we speak. But they were playing fire sale in Walkstown Park tonight on their home patch. And the pitches are looking great. So once again, keep an eye on their Instagram and their and their uh, Twitter. Yeah, but Prof, we have next up, we have uh, the hero from uh, the European toy that was Odra. And it's Glenn Fitzpatrick. So I was reading that you actually made your uh, <coughs> League of Ireland debut for UCD against Shamrock Rovers. That was October... 1998. A number of Rovers players actually last 20 years seem to have begun their careers at UCD, but uh, and you were the same. Were you on some sort of scholarship there? Yeah, I, I started there in a scholarship in 1998 or 1999, I think. Yeah, 
played the first few months in um, the old reserve league back then. And um, my first appearance then came against Rovers. Yeah, in Talca Park. Yeah, one night I came on as a sub, I think, for a few minutes. I think Rovers beat us, but that was my first game with the, the first team, yeah. So you had three years at UCD, then you had spells with Atlantown Town and Glen Avon up north before you eventually came to Rovers. So talk a bit about that that time and then when the call came from who was boss, Liam Buckley. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, three years at UCD and then I moved on to Atlantown Town where Liam was the manager when I signed there. So I had one year spell there with Atlantown. And that was kind of the year where it shifted to summer football then. It was the old winter format back then. And as a stopgap in between, I had to move up to Glen Avon for a few months where um, the connection there who kind of put me in touch with it was Tony Grant, who obviously was at Rovers at the time and I wanted to get a few games under my belt. So Tony kind of uh, gave the lads in Glen Avon an ex-club of his the nod to say, you can get me in for a few months and play a few games and see how things went. So I went up there um, and played for a few months and it was enjoyable. Then came back to Rovers then. There was a change in management up in Glen Avon. So it kind of suited that I come back down to Rovers and um, try and play away there. Uh, a couple of your old teammates say hello. Firstly, uh, Derek Tracy. He says hello. Yeah. But, uh, I noticed you didn't play your first seven league games uh, until you started the 5-1 win over Derry. So that relates to Derek's question. He says, were you close to leaving before you finally broke through? Yeah, I had initially signed for Rovers on a, an amateur amateur um, contract. Um, and Rovers were kind of top-heavy at the time with centre-forward. So I played a few months in the reserves and Tony Cousins was the manager back then. And yeah, there was actually a time where I kind of stepped away for like probably four or six weeks. And um, I just I wasn't really interested in playing at the time. But then there was kind of a shortage um, with front men at Rovers through injuries and that. At the time, Rovers had Noel Hunt was still there. Tony Grant was obviously still there. Trevor Malloy, Liam Kelly. And I think Sean Francis was just kind of moving on. But um, yeah, I, I came back in and I signed for a month, just a month contract at the time to get me back in and kind of just to, to try and get the appetite back again. But at the last, I think it was the last week of that month, that I played two games maybe and then I signed a contract for the, the the rest of the season I think it was so yeah I was I did step away from it for like a period of time for four to six weeks and it could have turned out differently kind of So Bucko then made you our, our number nine for that season so before we talk about Europe what did you think of that Robert squad that year who stood out and who did you get on well with um, well, it was a, a great bunch of players and, and great characters within the group. Um, I don't think we were usually short in terms of competing and um, at the top end of the, the table. Um, I think there was great talent within the group. Um, we had the European Games that summer, which were eventful and sort of different from the, the, the usual format of the league where we're Shells were kind of the top team then, but I think Cork and, and Bowes were quite strong as well. Um, but look, there was there was a really good group of players that, that Liam had assembled there, I think. And I think sort of other events off the pitch might have put paid to that with players being moved on then at the end of the year when there was 
um, issues with contracts and I think there was financial struggles in the club and everything was kind of well documented at the time. So, um, yeah, it was a pity that things kind of panned out the way they did. So Rovers will have uh, discovered their Champions League opponents by the time people hear this interview. They'll kick off a new European campaign, but it was actually 18 years ago this month that Rovers famously beat Odra away in Poland. So what do you remember about the trip in the first leg? Um, yeah, the first leg was out there. Um, we were quite we were quite strong. There wasn't any amount of injuries, I don't think, going into it. And everybody kind of had uh, a pep in their step going into play that game. So, um, yeah, it was, I think it was 2-0 or 2-1 on the night out in Audra. I remember I played, I think I played the full game, both myself and Tony Grant up front. Stephen Grant also scored in the game, who was really effective in that period of time when he was playing in that role as, as a wide left as a winger, if you like. Um, yeah, it was a tremendous result and it gave us great confidence, I suppose, going into the second leg and then into the, the summer format of league games and, and kicking on into the league season then. A lot of those Robbers fans, <clears throat> they, like they wouldn't have seen a European away win until Audra in the Intertoto Cup. You would have to go all the way back to 1982. So did you realise the significance of it, you and the players? Yeah, well, I did at the time, yeah. I remember um, speaking to a lot of Rovers fans after the game and there, there was a good amount of Rovers fans that had travelled out to the game. So we were we were well aware of the significance of the win. And um, yeah, it was, it was something to be to be proud of at the time, I think it was. It was, it was a great achievement. Since the last positive result like that in European football, as you say, for Rovers. The Rovers fans were obviously jolly afterwards. Did you did you mingle with them at all over there afterwards? Yeah, I don't think we headed home until the next day. So I think there was a little bit of a mini celebration after the game. We, we had a few drinks and that. So that was 2-1 in Poland and then we beat Audra 1-0 in the second leg of Richmond Park. There's a great photo of online of you going into the crowd and the fans are hugging you after you score the goal. Uh, describe the goal to us. Um, the goal, all the hard work was done by Tony Grant. Um, and he, I think he'd gone a little bit of a run down the left channel at the time and got to the kind of end line and then just put a cross into the box where I, I think I got between kind of two defenders and just had a, a straightforward enough header where I just directed it into, back into the far corner, kind of where it came from. But um, it was simple enough for me. Now, Tony had done all the, the graft, as we say. Um, but I remember that was a great day in Richmond Park. There was there was a full house there. It was The weather was great. Um, great. Great atmosphere in the place. And Rovers fans were buzzing at the time. Um, I think we played quite well on the day. It was a Sunday afternoon, I remember. Um, yeah, so, so you could feel it was a great atmosphere in the place. And that put us through into the, the, the next round with, with that result there in Richmond Park. I have you down as uh, eight league goals that season, but is that a bit more special scoring a European goal? Um, yeah, I suppose at the time, um, the European games were sort of higher profile, if you like. There was a lot of media attention, I think, at the time. and I think there was quite a little bit of a lull for Irish teams in Europe back in those years, like around 2003 or whatever it was, 2002, I can't remember the exact year. But... Um, yeah, so it was from from my own point of view, it was it was great. There were great games to be involved in, and I suppose playing a different brand of football, if you like, against European opposition, and I suppose testing yourself as well to see how you could manage it. 
So you played all four games in that Intertoto Cup campaign. It was a very quick turnaround then, wasn't it, with the Czech Republic just a week later against all yeah. and uh, Liberates, and they were just a little too good for us, were they? Yeah, I think they were a step up from from Adrenal, um in terms of quality and that. But um, I think we acquitted ourselves quite well at the time. Um, the game out there in Liberace was, um, yeah, it was a tough game. They they were they were uh, quite a technical side and a lot of players that were fairly gifted. Now I would say and had a few internationals. I think as well at the time. Um, I think from what I can remember, they beat us two 0 over there. Maybe was it? I think 2-0, yeah. yeah. 2-0, yeah. I remember, I think I came off in the second half, but I missed a great a great chance in the first half over there. I would have won, I would have expected to score, which might have put a different complexion on the game. But um, yeah, they, they were um, they were a really good side, technically good, uh, good intelligent players, uh, good movement about them, strong as well. Um, and just kind of a, a step too far, but a good learning experience in terms of well, individually and collectively, I'd say for the team and players, I suppose, moving on. So you had kind of a poor run then towards the end of the, the league season. We didn't win any of our last nine games. Uh, finished seventh, missing out in Europe by four points. You kind of alluded to it earlier, those kind of off-the-field difficulties. Tala was still a number of years away. We know home base. Bizarrely, at one point, we played a home game in Cork. So would you yeah. attribute it to some of that? Yeah, absolutely. There was um, no shortage of difficulties in terms of players' contracts, in terms of um, that game that we had to give away the home advantage and play down in Cork, which was very, um, it was a little bit unsettling, I'd say, at the time. Um, like a lot of these things that start to weigh on players then, um, there was issues with wages at the time. Everything was kind of well documented. So there was, yeah, they would have had a definite bearing on players' performance. So I think it's, it wasn't easy for, for players to juggle. They were relying on uh, payments for mortgages, families, all that stuff. You players who had young kids, etc. So it was a tough time for the club, both on and off the field, to see these events going on. So, yeah, it would have had a, a good impact, I would have said, um, on those that set of games come towards the end of the season, let's say. And this is our Player of the Year series, so we, we like to ask everybody about how they won the award. Uh, you won it in 2003, your one and only season of the club. Do you, were you at the award ceremony? Do you remember anything about it? Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, it was a, a reception, I think, up in uh, one of the, the pubs in Tallinn, maybe, and there was a good um, set of fans. Uh, yeah, good amount of fans there on the day. So, um, yeah, from my point of view, it was a good season with Rovers. Um, it was my kind of time that I established myself with Rovers and, and made a bit of an impact and had a probably a, a positive impact on, in terms of the team by playing so many games in that week. So, um, yeah, but the fans were brilliant back then. Like they followed the team um, across the country, both home and away. Um, very vocal fans and, you know, loved their football, loved their club. So I wouldn't have any bad words to say about the Rovers fans. They, they were excellent during my short time there. I think there was rumours maybe at that stage that yourself and a couple of others might be leaving the club. From your point of view, when did the move to Shelburne come about and how did it come about? Um, it probably came about maybe about a month or six weeks kind of before the season ended. Um, I spoke to, I had a brief conversation with Pat Fennan who inquired about the contract situation. 
um, would I be interested in moving to Shelbourne and becoming like a, a full-time player, if you like, at the time? Um, I'm not sure what other players kind of left or moved on at my time. I can't remember now from the Rovers team, but um, I tied up a deal probably in, the, I think the season might have finished back then in November. And I think in early December, I, I'd agreed a, a contract to, to move to, to Shells. So Hoops fans obviously wouldn't be impressed with you enjoying uh, joining your double rival. So can you blame them? No, I wouldn't blame them. Um, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, it was just a difficult time in terms of ambition. It was it was a hard opportunity to turn down moving to Shelbourne, given the struggles that were kind of there with Rovers at the time. Um, but at the time, Shelbourne were doing quite well. They were the league champions. They had qualified to play in Europe again, the Champions League. Um, it was a chance for me to go into sort of a full-time environment where so, excuse me, um, Rovers just weren't kind of there in, in the same phase of developing the club, I, I don't think so. It was a tough one to, to turn down. I was quite young at the time as well, so I had still had a, a lot of ambition to, to try and win things. And even at the time, there was a slight bit of cross-channel interest in terms of generating a move, which didn't materialise, but... That was something that I was chasing at that time, at the young age. And 2004, it was an incredible year for you with Shelburne, uh, league title and that run in the Champions League qualifiers with meeting Deportivo and obviously coming off the bench to score two goals against Lille at Lansdowne Road in the UEFA Cup. So what's the standout memories from the two European games there particularly? Um, standout memory for me, Outside of scoring the, the, the two goals in the in Lansdowne Road against Lille, probably the performance away from home against Hajduk Split. Um, I didn't play in the second leg away to Deportivo. I played in the, the first leg in Lansdowne against Deportivo. But in terms of performance and, and how the team um, kind of played, I think the away leg to Hajduk Split stood out it was a fairly hostile environment a big crowd but they were a really good side as well Patrick Split kind of took us a little bit for granted didn't think we'd stand up to them over there they beat us 3-2 on the night in Split but uh, the fact that we had two away goals to bring back to Talca Park for the second leg was kind of what swung it in our favour I think and uh, Lille, two headers against Tony Silva in the space of three minutes. That's a uh, no mean feat. And you nearly grabbed a sensational winner when you flicked on an Andy Cowley cross just inches wide. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I came on in the, the second half of the Lille game. Things didn't really go according to plan for us in, in that game. But they, they were an excellent side at the time. And they'd taken a, a good few scalps in European football over in the couple of years leading up to that. So they, they were an improving outfit on, outfit on the European stage. But um, yeah, I came on, I think it was probably for the last 25 minutes or half an hour in Lansdowne against Lille. And was lucky enough, there were two, two, two deliveries. Or, well, the first one was a, a delivery from Jason Bourne. It was it was put on there. It was an easy 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 finish from my point of view. The, the delivery of the ball was excellent, um, and the second was just kind of I was fairly lucky. The ball just dropped me in the box. I was in the right place at the right time for the equaliser. So um, yeah, an event for me. Obviously, nice to get nice to get a couple of goals in that. But um, yeah, quite memorable. Yeah. So very nearly a groundbreaking journey into the, the latter stages of a European competition, that honour, and failed to Rovers. 
seven years later in the Europa League. So do you feel you came very close there with Shelburne? Yeah, I don't think we were. Um, yeah, we weren't weren't far away from making that breakthrough. I don't think we had had a, a coin or draw maybe outside of Deportivo. Um, I think we we could have kind of gone that extra step and, and made a group stage now. Yeah. So you had two spells with uh, Drogheda then either side of a stint with St. Pats. You won two Santander Cups with Drogheda and then you finally retired there in 2010, the age of 30, which is pretty young. How do you look back on the last few years of your career? Um, the last couple of years were, um, they, they didn't match up to the younger, the, my younger years playing now between going from Rovers to Shells and um, my stint at Pats wasn't great. And my first stint at Trotter was quite good, where the team was quite strong, and we won a league title there and the two Satanta Cups, which was which was quite good at the time, given the the standard of the competition, both north and south of the border was quite um, it was very competitive uh, back then. I think um, the last few years I'd kind of gone back to playing nearly part time. The last year with Pats, they kind of lost their full time status, if you like. And then I finished out with a second stint with Trahada, but um, I I retired. Yeah, I retired fairly young, but I didn't have the same appetite as to play as well or the hunger to play then as what I did when I was twenty one or twenty two. It just it seemed to diminish a little bit, and um, I, I didn't. I, I probably wasn't getting as much starting time as playing games either. So that would have been taken into consideration the whole package, like as well, you know. Another question from Jason Carwell. He, uh, he says you're a great fella. And he asks, outside of Diego and Zidane, is Mark Quigley your favourite ever player? <laughs> um, he's definitely up there with uh, some of the lads that I played with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a very a very talented player. But out of the all the players that I played with, probably the favourite would have to be Wes Hillham, I'd say. Uh, this one from Paddy Daly, Robert's fan. He says, good Colin Bannis, man, is Glenn. And he says, that odd your game in Richmond, when you scored, your ma done a Jose Mourinho and ran the length of the pitch. <laughs> I remember, yeah. He's, he's told me that story uh, a few times. Yeah, I know Paddy well. Paddy's a, a lifelong Rovers fan and uh, also a great fella as well. Yeah, but that was the, the Sunday afternoon. I remember that Audra game. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. My parents would have been regular. Regular visitors for the for the games as well, um, particularly the the times with Rovers and Shells as well. So yeah, they they would have known a few Rovers fans being from Milltown themselves. Yeah. Generally, what sort of reaction do you get from Rovers fans? Is it a mix of fond memories from the European goal and campaign, and a mix of stick, I suppose, for leaving. Yeah, I know it'd be, it'd be more on the the fond memories now, but sure, it, it's that long ago now. It's. Um, yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't be a regular visitor now to Tallinn now either. I only get up to the odd game here and there now as well. But no, generally fond memories, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tony O'Dowd <clears throat> says you're a, a tight expletive. And he says you still owe him a drink for getting him, Robbo and Stephen Goff free cl- to a party booze cruise to Hoddyhead. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh... Tony uh, giving us a couple of bad habits and sending us on the boat trip over to Hollyhead. Myself, Shane Robinson, Stephen Goff and Pat Deans. A fairly eventful night. Tony set us up for that one. 
Uh, was that a fan's 40th birthday party? Because Paddy asked about that as well. Oh, that, that went, oh, yeah, I went to Paddy's 40th birthday party, yeah, in his house. Um, that was, yeah, I remember myself and Shane Robinson went along to that, yeah. Eventful night as well in Paddy's house. Oh, so there were two Paddy's different things. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> so there were two different things. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Mark Turner asks, why did you dye your hair? Ah, I was only a young lad at the time. It was <laughs> it was the done thing and in fashion, I suppose. Uh, Philip Russell asks, "What was your favorite goal for Rovers?" Um, Jesus, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think back and remember them now. Um, I suppose that the one against Audra in Richmond Park was quite um, significant for me personally. Um, best goal. I remember scoring one actually one night in, T- in Talca Park against Waterford just when I received one on the, um, kind of on the edge of the box and I think I checked inside a couple of players mm. and picked out the far corner on my left foot I think that was quite nice now um, that's one I can remember I don't remember them all to be fair but they're just a couple that stick out yeah the Robbers are actually playing away to Waterford next on uh, Friday so I want to ask you about a, a three-all draw at the RIC where we came from 3-0 down and now you won the game because Trevor Malloy missed a penalty in the last minute. Do you remember this match? Yeah, I do remember it, yeah. I remember that. We were 3-1 down, is that what you said? 3-0 three, three down, I think. 3-0 down, yeah. I remember it was one that I came on for, again, the second half, I think. Um, and I think I scored one maybe at some stage, maybe to get us back to 3-1 or 3-2. Um, but it was quite eventful. But that was like there was uh, good characters there in that team and something that we were capable of, I suppose getting a result like that or turned around a, a deficit like that I think So since hanging up your boots um, what have you been up to have you stayed involved in football um, I was involved with a local team for a while yeah in terms of just managing in the Leicester Senior League that was up till about four or five years ago I'd done that for a period of about three or four seasons but again that was uh, kind of a, a tough environment and trying to do things right I suppose but getting commitment out of lads in terms of training and trying to improve and putting the proper structure in place to try and develop the club and develop the team but um, things didn't work out and I kind of left it at that so um, I haven't been involved since then that's probably four or five years ago now but I have a young family now so plenty to plenty to concentrate on and last question comes from me um, I think you said Wes Hillahan earlier but uh Best player you played with and against in your career? Um, I'd say Wes was the best I played with. Um, although I was kind of lucky now. Some of the lads I played with over the years were fantastic and some of them went on to have excellent careers and went on to play international football and made good careers in England. But I think top of the pile would be Wes in terms of his just his outstanding ability and I suppose the career he had. Um, in terms of playing against, um, I'd say within Ireland, I'd say Paddy McCourt. Um, I think his time at Derry, um, he was fantastic, um, sensational player, great to watch, uh, exciting, just you know that you definitely pay to go and see players like him. Um, so yeah that's within Ireland I'd say obviously there was other top players in European football but I think um, yeah within Ireland Paddy, Paddy McCart definitely yeah 
Well, that's it, Grant. <clears throat> Thanks so much for talking to me. I really enjoyed that. No problem, Carl. Thanks a million. Yeah, so that was Glenn, Prof, and um, his man down the Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, that that would have been some side to I see. I know, again. yeah. Some great memories, though. Jeez, yeah. um, imagine what it would have been like being over in Poland for that game. I mean, it would have been a long time coming, you know. I think he was being a bit modest, saying there was a few drinks, had a few sherries. But there's a reason, isn't there, that so many Rowers fans look back fondly at that because you've got... Like, you had um, the away win in Iceland in 1982, right? Fram Reykjavik, am I right? Yeah. And then the four-in-a-row team never win a European game. Still a stat, I can't believe. And then in 1998, or sorry, 94, we get hammered in Poland. 98, we beat uh, Aldi Spar in the first leg. So that's the only win. Goat's blood everywhere. Then 2002, Sweden. And so then not 2003... Like that's that's a generation of Rowers fans who hadn't seen the European win, so mm. you can see why it's, it's it's remembered so well. And he got that win in Russian Park. Um, one thing I didn't ask him about it was on it was on his Wikipedia page, <clears throat> and must be true. We, yeah, we did this the day after uh, what happened with Ericsson, right, for Denmark, and his Wikipedia sa- page said in two thousand nine, Glenn collapsed. Uh, no in a warm-up for Pats in 2009. I was like, Jesus. So I, the Ericsson thing just threw me off. I, yeah. like, I don't know if I want to even ask about this. So I texted him about it. And he said, oh, yeah, no problem. It's just... He said what happened was it was a seizure. Oh, God. Which is still bad, but... Um, he said the Ericsson thing actually reminded him of it. Yeah, I would, so wouldn't it? So it's quite scary to be reminded of that, but... But they're talking about um, Ericsson not playing football again. So I was looking up the difference between... A heart attack and cardiac arrest. The heart attack is when your arteries are blocked. They stop the blood flow to your heart, and then a cardiac arrest is when your heart just suddenly stops. So he was actually yeah. he's actually dead for however long it was. So it's scary, scary stuff. Really it was, was absolutely horrifying to watch. Yeah, not nice at all. Especially for the family involved. No, but he's getting better. Hopefully, he plays again. But apparently, it's not looking not looking great. He's only twenty nine for fuck's sake. Like. But yeah, no, so uh, best wishes and Champions League draw, Prof. Who was in our pot? It was Malmo, Legia, Warsaw, Slovan, Bratislava and Lincoln, Red Imps. And we got Slovan and we did a bit of research on them and they're littered with international players. You know, they've got mm. 35 cap Bulgarian. They've two players in the squad, in the Slovakia squad at the minute. Striker, Stralek and Vice. Yes. Celtic fans will know Vice. His father is the gaffer in Slovan. Um... Prof, I've, uh, I might be able to get a few vaccines, you know. Black market, mm-hmm. but stick them in, double jab them at the same time. On pus vaccines. So one in, one in each arm, then you're double vaccinated, straight onto the plane, bingo, bango, jabbed up, mm-hmm. we're at the game. Off you go, eight euro flights. Eight euro flights. Bob's your uncle. Two euro points. What more do you want? Me and Prof are going to Europe. Carry and Prof to Europe. <laughs> so in terms of, I mean... The pot you called out there, we all said a prayer for Lincoln Redims. Yeah. And we're thinking the other three, very tough. Yeah, very tough. Probably I think it's the best best of a bad bunch. Take away limp, take away the imps. Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they're double winners. Uh, their season doesn't start back up until the end of July. Yeah. Four um, games in by the time we played them, possibly. Saw some tweets suggesting that they're in disarray. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Yeah. Great. Great so, to hear. We're away first, 6th or 7th of July. 
Whenever I see Brazilian flags in their players, mm. their player roster, and I don't like it. Yeah, a couple of Brazilians, you know, I don't like it. A few Spaniards, a few Portuguese, you know. When you think, when you see that, you're like, oh, these have a few quid, you know. Probably a fourth mm. division Spanish player that's really good, and they're giving them a few quid, you know. There's a quote from their sporting director, so they're McPhail equivalent. He says, <laughs> based on previous experience with Irish teams, we can expect a typical island fighting style. That sounds like something uh, Johnny Blue would say. <laughs> Commenting on how Crumlin have bad discipline. It's before even watching us. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's that's up there with possibly what... Um, who said it? Jim Beglin said about the Latinos and the South Americans. No, has he been cancelled yet? <laughs> Apparently he's been cancelled. I hope not. Do you know I what I mean? Jim Beglin. That's pretty much yeah. on par with it. So... Yeah, uh, really, uh, this is the, the important and the most exciting part of the, of the season for some. And uh, fans have been banned, all travelling fans banned. That, we're all right, though. We'll get in. We're vaccinated. Mm. But we will be in about an hour when your man <laughs> knocks at the door. <laughs> Black Audi. Black Audi outside for vaccines. Um, so thousands can travel to the Euros, but we can't have a couple of hundred people for a qualifier because it's too risky. <sighs> yeah, like 60,000 in the Hungry game. 60,000 in that hungry game I'm not seeing the logic here I don't know it'd be great to go wouldn't it always want to go to Bratislava we were only talking about it there last year actually I think I was talking about Riga as well I'd love to go to Riga but yeah no we're not going unfortunately but listen we'll see what happens but uh, a lot of talk about what way it works so the big 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 winner is the one who wins their first game in the Champions League right then you're guaranteed another six games, three games of two ties each, so six matches, three ties, three double-legged ties. Um, if we go out in the first round, we drop into the third round of the Europa Conference because we get a boy. Now, that happened to mm-hmm. Cork. Cork City fan and work was saying that and said mm-hmm. it didn't help them whatsoever. They didn't actually get the prize money for the second round. No, and I'm not sure if that's the case with us as well. No, but either way, without kicking a ball, we're looking at a mill. 800 to a mil without kicking a ball which is good money man yep. if you can get it yeah so we got the boy we were paired with Slovan as the lucky losers and if we do win we play young boys from Switzerland no that's a bad draw yeah I it's think a it's, bad draw it also shows how important it would be to be seeded I think Dan Fulham was saying because we got this boy we're after giving ourselves an extra 0.5 in the coefficients Carl's cat is here now trying to <laughs> slice me Achilles as usual. Could smell it. Could smell the blood. So imagine being seeded in next year's first Champions League qualifying. Oh wow. And you win that. Like you could like you're even your when you're seeded, you could be looking at getting like like Fola Esh or you know, one of these teams mm. that it's just so favourable. It yeah. really is. And even Dan Fulham, current uh coefficient beam blower. He he was saying eight point five can bump you up so much for yeah. the coefficient like it's nuts. It's quite a lot of confusion initially, wasn't there, about whether or not we had the boy. Uh UEFA changed the text. <laughs> there was website. stuff coming from everywhere, wasn't I there? Know. Even UEFA's website it, it changed three times. Yeah. I think they were confused. And I'm, and here yeah. I am getting the grief for the golden goal. <laughs> and these can't even get the fucking draw right. I just stayed out of it until it was settled. <laughs> I see all Maguire and Rorisha put up a picture of Charlie. Um, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia in the mail room with the, the conspiracy <laughs> yeah yes that's one of my favourite picks ever <laughs> oh, brilliant 
Yeah, so uh, the Bose logo and the dog draws as well, Prof. Bose are going to Starnan. Our old friends. Yeah. Or Sticky Jam, as Winston called them. <laughs> Body Farmer, please. <laughs> Show your car anyway. Bally Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's Sligo. Uh, where's Sligo going? So you got an Icelandic team as well. Harf Narf Narf Fjordor. Yeah. Yeah, pronounce that again, Prof? No. <laughs> Dundalk. Uh, who's the, Dundalk? The, the Welsh. Ah, the Welsh. Is it Connor Keys or TNS? I don't know. TNS. We'll go TNS, yeah. Twig and Stewart, so that is that. And uh, yeah, Prof, so we're going to move on now from our little European adventure. Uh, we're going to go start in 11s and predictions. Right, so Prof, start in 11s and predictions. Um, going to be tough playing against these they're going to be well up for it you're going to have them you know in their ear going he <laughs> fucking mugs he fucking mugs with their fucking big budget alright you fucking mugs and all the all the, star, all the the players looking around going what's he saying what's he saying I don't know just just go out there and give it your all what did the Canadian man say <laughs> yeah. I finally listened to the podcast by the way he fucking mugs I finally listened to Under the Cosh oh isn't it brilliant Oh, the stuff about him getting maximum security prison in Bahamas. Getting shanked. Absolutely mental. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, brilliant stuff. But yeah, I can only imagine it's like a it's like a bad comedy show. He's just, mm. no one can understand the London accent. It's in two parts, I think it's three hours total, but believe me, it's well worth your time. It's a crack. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant podcast and a fucking fella is off his head. Um but that's what I'm saying, he's gonna have them up for it. So what mm. way are we gonna approach it? That they had lost seven in a row before them, Doc. Mm. That was the first win in two months. So they'll be on a bit of a high there. I think so. And then you have, it's similar to Wexford, like we said as well. Ian Ryan has them playing well and eventually they they got the points against somebody. But I'm going to go Manus. Manus, Prof. I'm going to go Grace Pico Hoare. have to have Pico back because he's, he's coming off. He has to be confident playing in all these international games. His season hasn't been, it's been stop-start. I think that's the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. Stop start for him, but Pico starts for me. Scales left wing back, Gannon right wing back as well. I think Gannon starting to get a bit of confidence now. You know, I'm gonna keep mm. him playing. I think he needs games, so for hopefully his form will improve with games under his belt. Um, do we want Mandrew in the middle of the park again? I don't think we have much of an option. It's gonna be Mandrew and Gary O'Neill for me in the middle of the park, and then I'm gonna play Green Gaffney and Bork up top, and see how they get on because I think Green and Gaffney are starting to. Click. I think they need to play together a little bit more, and just to kind of fuse that partnership. And I'm gonna go a tight, a tight one 0 win. Hopefully we get a clean sheet. I think it's gonna be a tough game. Yeah, you basically just put Burke and Pigo back in the team there, did you? Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's hard. Keep- it's hard to, to fight against it because like Mandrew is our creative player. Unfortunately, he has to play deep now at the minute, considering Watts is out and we have a couple more players out. I think it's the best bet to play and. Just kind of, and I'm hoping we don't have to just tough this one out, you know. And are you playing the same eleven for Bows? Oh, Bows! No, I can't even call it. I can't even call that one. We're not calling the derby anymore. Forget it. Not calling no. it. Can't call it. We don't know. It could be injuries. Could be something like that. But it's it's in daily mount. What Waterford? I'll say a a three-two win. Oh, few goals. Bit of a ding dong. Well, I predict the I predict the score for Bows. I won't predict the team. I'm gonna say. I'm going to go 2-1 win out there and all sorts of red cards and penos. No, I'm not predicting it. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for this week. Prof, we Pico back, so he's in my team. Fruget, three months, hamstring injury. Cavo is running and kicking a ball. 
Um, hopefully, mm-hmm. it's a we'll, have, we'll be full strength for Europe. And we have Richie Tell, we have Kavanaugh on the left, we have everybody back. Watts back kicking balls as well. So it's, it, listen, we'll get there eventually. We'll click soon. This will be Manus's 150th league appearance Ooh. for the club. 150, yeah. brilliant stuff. Prof with the stats. Uh, and then we've Mandrew Prof the, the, the spew. Apparently, they wanted a ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. And we went to Tribunal and we probably saved a few quid now as well. So uh, And we were informed that the figure reported in the Herald was inaccurate. It, was, it wasn't 20 grand. Oh, a paper printing inaccurate stories. Mm-hmm. Strike us down. Never heard that before. But yeah, yeah so 20k dispute. Um, I think 20k is very little for the quality that we're getting. He's in he's in Ireland. Uh, he's in the Ireland squad now and he's very well thought of. So yeah, I'm happy enough. you got to be happy with that. But that is pretty much it for this week, Prof. Thanks to all our well, sponsors once again. I did want to say one thing, Ger. Go on, Prof. Uh, I mentioned that I, might, I may have a rant. Oh, you have a rant? Yes, possibly do have a rant here, Ger. Um... There was a tweet by a Waterford uh, fan. It was actually September last year, but I only kind of noticed it a few months ago. Tyg Williams. And he just goes, I'm a Waterford man till I die, but I have a massive amount of respect for Bowes. They represent everything that's good and decent about football. One of the best clubs in the world. Looking forward to getting back to Daily Mount soon. Happy 150th birthday, balls! Fuck off. That's what I'd say. Like, do, is, do, do they know? Like, this whole League of Ireland family thing is bullshit. Who wants to be in a family with anyone or any other club? Anything like that? Why would you bother? Why would you wish well on any other club in your league when you're directly against them every single week, no matter what? Why would you do it? I don't get it at all. Would you wish any other club in the League of Ireland well in Europe? You don't want it. No. Coefficient might suffer. Maybe. But you don't give a fuck. You don't want them to win. You don't. You're giving them a fo- you're giving them a foothold financially as well. Then because then they can go and strengthen their budget and get better players. No, not happening. Not buying into that LOI family bullshit at all. And th- these are the same clubs who talk about the LOI family, but will actively vote against the B team. Not happening for me in my book. No, no one likes us. We don't care. Fuck the rest of them. There was another tweet at the start of the season. I think it actually might have been another Waterford fan, and he's quoting balls on their. Their new climate change officer, and he's like, "Can I switch clubs?" Oh, I saw that, yeah. And you get the sort of bollocks like Dundalk will do something cool, let's say, right? And then Facebook, you'll just see a post underneath it, respect from a Bowes fan. Yeah, yeah. Line them up and shoot them with balls around. Yeah, Bowes become pollinator planters with their bees. Respect, Brian Sligo fan. <laughs> These people can. Fuck off. And it's vomiting juicing. Yes. Yes, Prof. Keep going. That's it. I know, it is though. I know we're a small league, right? And there's a certain amount of begrudging respect for people like ourselves who go home and away every week. Like I say, we're a small league, so we're up against it. Trying to get the rest of the country to pay attention to us. Like, so get all that. But it's just the LOI family with their... Think of the coefficients and... I respect bows. We're all in it together. No. Especially with these two who were playing on Friday and Monday. Waterford and Balls. These two clubs can have each other. Especially given the certain individual mm-hmm. they both signed. A man who Rowers would never have signed. Because Rowers fans wouldn't have allowed it. We it didn't was. allow it. We actually stood up and didn't allow it. We said no. That won't be happening at this club. He has... Whatever reasons, we won't even talk about it. We don't want the litigious types to come at us. 
But we have a little bit more class than that. A little bit more class than that. And that's all we'll say on the matter, I think, Prof. I think we could sign one off on that. But Prof's rants, that's going to be back every month or so, I'd say. Going to just roil them up before we get we get going. <laughs> but that's it for this week. Thanks for all our sponsors. Nesta Credit, Ocean Electrical, Manscaped. I think it's the heat, Gary, because this is the warmest <laughs> I have it's ever been recording a podcast. Sweating in there. <laughs> I am stuck to this chair. And then I'm, I'm also slipping around the place as well. <laughs> It's fucking roasting. Oh, um, but yeah, no, thanks to all our sponsors once again. And uh, listen, we're going to see you in Drada. And uh, 25th, don't forget the four provinces, Rovers only. We'll see you there about two or three o'clock. And that's it. So keep on hoping. See ya.